Hello and welcome to Let's Pod This. My name is Andy Moore. I'm one of your hosts. I'm joined as I am every week by friend and colleague, the good Dr. Scott Nelson. Hello, Scott. What's up, man? How are you? I'm well. Thank you for asking. For those at home, I want you to know this is like our fourth take in recording the podcast today because we don't have our act together. It does not usually take us 10 times. No, usually it's uh, we're one-hit wonders. For the most uh, part. We're still waiting on that one hit, though. Uh, so we will jump in where we left off on Tuesday from our emergency podcast episode. At that time, the House had just passed some pretty historic uh, revenue measures. And for the first time in 28 years, those measures went to the Senate the Senate uh, amended some things, put stuff through the meat grinder, and then sent them back to the House, who voted on them today. And right now, as we record, all of these, are, or most of these, are on the governor's desk. She's holding a press conference to sign some of this historic legislation. Um, and uh, it, was a, it was a weird and tumultuous day. As I said on a Facebook Live video uh, about 30 minutes ago, whatever warm fuzzies were created on Monday in the House by passing this legislature, um, getting over that 75% majority, whatever those warm fuzzies were have evaporated yeah, um, up there. On. And today it was it was back to the typical end-of-session con- contentious, contemptuous debate between the parties. Lots of uh, procedural um, maneuvers and... Uh, at the end of the day, they got some things passed, but not everything, right? Yeah. So it's been a really, um, it's been depending on your perspective. If you if you like following kind of legislative process, it's been both an interesting and in some respects incredibly frustrating <laughs> forty eight hours. I always feel like I need to brush up on my Roberts Rules of Order. Right. So um, Monday night, the Senate pa- the House passed several bills. Those bills were eligible to be heard in the Senate yesterday. Um, they were not all heard. So the Senate only took up, I think, three three or so of the bills that were passed by the House initially. Right. They took up um, – the big one is House Bill 1010XX. So this is the main revenue package that the House passed Monday night. This is the one that required 76 votes, ended up passing 79.19, and is the historic – tax increase that hasn't happened in literally 28 years. Right. And this generates most of the money that's going to go to fund teacher pay raise, public employee pay raise, and other education funding. Right. So the Senate took that bill up yesterday. And this is the bill that contains the increase in GPT from 2% to 5%, the new tax on tobacco, the new tax on the increase in taxes on gas and diesel, as well as a new tax on hotels and motels, $5 per room per night. Right. And so this came out of nowhere to us, right? This is not, while these other measures had been discussed literally for years, um, for the last few years, they've been discussed every session. The hotel motel thing came up brand new, boom, came up, was part of the package and passed, sailed right through. I mean, they did all this um, and they passed this stuff around nine o'clock at night on On Monday, Monday, right? And for those playing the home game, you'll remember that on Tuesday, one of the things we talked about was the fate of this bill in the Senate was, while looked pretty good, definitely not certain. There was a question, you know, there were some people who are, you know, pretty knowledgeable, pretty plugged in, that are active, kind of capital watchers that were saying that this bill may not get through the Senate. Well, it turns out that the main hiccup, uh, the main issue that the Senate had with this bill was the hotel motel tax. The Senate was, was on the verge of not passing this until and unless... They were given assurances by House leadership that the House would repeal this hotel motel tax. Right. And so I, 
this is a really interesting uh, development. So we were there on Wednesday for our Capital Day, um, our first one of the year. Uh, thank you for those of you who attended. It was uh, it was great. Um, our next one's on April 26th. We'll come back to that later. Anyway, um, so we were there in the uh, the hotel um, motel lobby, the hoteliers hoteliers lobby. There's a group, it's an association, but they showed up kind of in mass on um, yesterday, on Wednesday. And so between Monday at nine, they had basically 48 hours. Well, no, 36 hours. 36, yeah. Um, And so props to them as an organization, as an association, that they got their members organized and up here from across the state. Uh, It was a pretty decent crowd. I mean, not thousands, but um, a a substantial contingent of folks that were up there. uh, the The gallery was pretty full. It was. It wasn't full of just them, but it was a a big crowd um, of of those folks who came up, and they were there all day, and they actively lobbied, you know, advocated um, against this tax. Their their concern was that if you add on another tax, we're going to be one of the highest um, have the highest hotel tax rate in the region or in the country, and that you know, big uh, conferences and corporations when they have big events might go elsewhere. For Oklahoma City, this is a big deal because we are about to build a brand new conference center with the hope of bringing people in. Uh, and so this this is also a big deal, not to interrupt, but this is also a big deal because when you look at hotel prices in Oklahoma, okay, we have a we have a lot of good hotels, we have a lot of great properties, but we have a preponderance of hotels that are priced in like the one hundred to one hundred hundred and twenty dollars a night range. Like the, the budget hotels. Although a lot of right. these were the even more budget hotels in like the forty five to sixty dollar a night range. Right. And so the argument from the hotel motel owners is okay, you know, if you're in, you know, you're in New York, California, Chicago, Dallas, where most rooms are probably gonna run two hundred dollars a night or more and you tack five dollars onto that, that's not a huge increase. But if you've got a hotel that normally books at seventy five dollars a night and now it's eighty that's a much bigger percentage increase. Right, because right? it was a, a flat dollar figure, not a percentage tax. Right, right. so this hits a lot more heavily. You know, if you, this is a $50 a night motel, that's a 10% tax, right? If it's a $200 a night hotel. So half, half right. percent, yeah. Right. So, um, so uh, as a lesson to all of us who try to encourage folks to get involved, boom, this is it. This is a group I didn't know existed. Who knew? That budget hotels have a lobby or an association. They this past Monday night at nine, they sent an email out, got on the phone, got people there, organized, had an event on Wednesday morning. They advocated and they got it killed, got it pulled from the bill. Yeah, it worked. I mean, the Senate was not the Senate was not having this tax. Yeah, so, whoever their lobbyist is deserves perhaps yeah. a small raise. So, so kind of what happened is the Senate said, "All right, we'll pass the bill," and the Senate didn't actually formally amend the bill or change it in any way. What they did was they passed it and then they passed a motion to reconsider and held the bill over. Right. So what that means is that even though it had passed, the bill is still in in possession or control of the Senate. I own you. So even though it's passed the House and it's passed the Senate and now it's for the governor to sign, the governor can't sign it until the Senate sends it to her. Right. And, and, the, and, and the bill going from the Senate to the governor that's not an automatic process. Like the Senate has to do that. And by passing a motion to reconsider and holding the bill over, they ensured that the bill stayed under their control. And then they said to the House, all right, guys. It was a hostage, basically. Right. We've, we've passed this. However, unless if you want it to stay passed, then we're going to need you to pass a new bill 
that repeals this new $5 on hotels and motels. Right. So the Senate passed the repealer on that. So basically they passed the tax and then immediately repealed the tax. Right. And then they needed the House then to also repeal the tax. And they weren't going to send it on to the governor until the House did it, until everything was square. Right. So the repeal bill come the repeal bill comes to the House today. Today. And in order for this bill to be heard, right, um, because it's special session, because the bill didn't go through committee, because this is kind of a special situation, the House has to pass a motion to suspend the rules. Now, right, because this was a this was a shell bill right. that had kind of been hanging out there. So you know, at the beginning of every session, they or a special session, they pass some shell bills that don't have any language for this purpose. Right, they're just out there. Its title was like the House budget amendment bill of 2017, 2018. Yeah. So you're just hanging out. Some nonsense title that has nothing to do with what the bill's actually going to do. Right. And so then they have to suspend the rules to do a floor substitute, basically to insert language into the bill on the floor, not in committee, so that they can vote on this immediately. Right. And to do that, to suspend the rules, now, bear with us here, I think everybody is familiar with, <laughs> at this point, I assume everyone is familiar with the 75% threshold that is required for revenue raising measures. Everyone is familiar with the 51% threshold that is required for almost all other bills. However, a motion to suspend the rules requires two thirds, which is 68 votes. Right. Um, it was not clear that they were going to get to the 68 votes. Oh, right. I totally forgot about this. This yeah, was dude, most of the day. Dude, this was like, this was right. what? So they need 68 votes. And so they get to like 66, then 67, then 64, then 65, then 66. And it just bounced around for three, four, four, four hours, stinking hours today. So, so they, they held the vote open for four hours because the kind of the politics of what are going on here is the House Democratic Caucus voted and mass against this. It was a unanim- right. unanimous opposition. And their reasoning was, look, we had a deal, right? And now you're kind of going back on the deal. And if you want to go back on the deal, right? Because pulling the hotel motel tax out of this bill drops $50 million. So that's $50, $50 million out of the 477 in House Bill 1010 right. that are gone now. Right. And the House, so Dem- House Dems are saying, all right, if you, if you want to drop that $50 million, tell us where we're going to make it up. Right. So on Monday... They passed this big package, um, part of which is is this hotel motel tax, and so they they pass it, and it's six hundred million dollars or something. There's debate about how much the total package is. I'm going to say six hundred for the sake of this conversation. So five hundred or fifty million of that is this hotel tax. So they pass, everyone passes the revenue bill on good faith that it's going to get passed all the way through. Right, both parties was a big deal, sailed right through, and now it's coming back, and they're like, well, we're gonna we're gonna cut 50 million of this that we just passed and the democrats are like well hang on because we've already spent this money we've allocated this money to go to teacher pay public employee pay support staff education funding yada 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 and if you cut it we're gonna not have enough money to pay the bills we just signed up for right and what you and i were hearing throughout the day was that the reason dims were so opposed to this is because they were not given any assurances by House Republican leadership that this revenue is going to be replaced. Now, right. maybe it's just a cut right. without putting it back somehow. And, you know, I want to emphasize here, Andy and I aren't members. We're not on the floor. You know, we're not, we're not privy to the discussions that are happening between the leadership of the two parties. But what we're hearing from people who seem to know is that 
the Dems, the opposition from Democrats was that they were being told, no, this is coming out and there's no definite plan to replace it. Well, in, in, in all fairness, yesterday we were at the Capitol for a Capitol Day and I talked to House Democrats, House Republicans, Senate Republicans. I didn't talk to any Democrats, but there's only like six or seven of them. Um, and I talked to uh, some staffers, some lobbyists, and some reporters. Anyone that I recognized, I said hello and tried to find out. And I heard quite literally every possible rumor that was out there. They were there was a, when I left. The last thing I heard was uh, a, a member of the Senate said, "Well, I've heard that we're going to try to not amend it now." And I said, "That's interesting because I heard this morning you were definitely going to." And he's like, "I did. I heard that too, but now I've heard we're not going to." But he didn't know. And, and what everyone was like, this is what I've heard, but at this point, every year, in every situation, everyone hears everything. Anything's right. up. Right. And the people who are making decisions, I don't even know if they know. Right. I mean, I spoke to a member of the House last night um, who said, yeah, you know, this was before the Senate had voted, and this House member said, yeah, the Senate's going to take it out. It'll come back to us. We'll pass the repeal, but we're going to replace the revenue. And then that's not what's happening so far. So. They held the vote open for four hours. The Oklahoma Highway Patrol had to drive to Enid and get Representative Enns and bring him back to the Capitol so he could vote. And with his vote, they were able to get to 68 votes. And they passed the procedural measure that suspended the rules that then allowed the repeal of the hotel motel tax to pass but the simple majority. So right. now so, those bills are headed to the governor's desk, and she is signing them as we speak. That's right. She's having a special press conference. So it was um, a back and forth. And, you know, it was there was motions to table and motions to reconsider and um, try to get some questions. So once it all got done, oh, um, well, first, they held open for four hours. They had to send the highway patrol to pick up Representative Inns in Enid and drive him back to the Capitol. I don't know why he was up there. Uh, what the deal was, but it is under the speaker's purview. And in fact, I spoke to one of the speaker's staff yesterday about this uh, because back in the 70s, a bunch of, I think it was Republicans back then who were in the minority, uh, absconded down to Lawton to try to avoid a avoid a vote. And the speaker at the time had to send the highway patrol down to pick him up and bring him back and force them to come into the Capitol to vote. I don't, I don't know what the circumstances were today with Representative Inns, but I do know that he was picked up um, by Highway Patrol and brought to the Capitol, perhaps so they could speed. I don't know. But they brought him here so he could vote, and he was the deciding vote to get over the threshold so that they could um, do the floor substitute, which then opened the doors for everything else. Yeah, that's exactly it. So the short story, kind of where are we, you know, where are we now? Um, the Senate has not yet... I don't think passed the capital gains exemption, which is another big chunk of the revenue. They oh no, they did. Senate passed capital gains exemption. They've not passed ball and dice yet. So we're missing ball and dice in terms of revenue, um, and now we're missing fifty million of House Bill ten ten. So you know the question is, what's going to happen? Are teachers going to get their raises? Are public employees going to get their raises? Is the education funding that was promised in this bill is that going to be pulled? You know, I think the most likely thing is that. Because these raises and this education funding is now enshrined in statute, right? Once the governor passes it, it's the law. The raises have to be funded. This education funding has to be there. So they're going to have to go to other programs and find $50 million in cuts. 
and this is a problem because as you guys who listen to the pod will know, we're already in the hole next year, 180 million. Right. And so now we just put ourselves in the hole another 230 million. Right. So we're as of today, we're looking at 230 million in cuts. And that's assuming that's assuming that we're only missing 50 million out of this bill. As Andy alluded to earlier, estimates for how much revenue was passed on Monday vary by almost a hundred million dollars. So um, no one seems, I know that uh, on Monday night, no, no, excuse me on last night when this was coming out, they got floor substitutes and the bills come out. And uh, there was a tweet from one of the capital press corps saying that kind of all the press corps gathered up and they were all kind of doing math to figure out, like looking back at previous estimates for these measures and to try to get a total for what this looked like. And if you've got a bunch of journalists who are trying to do the math for this, that you should have like a, whatever the equivalent of a congressional budget office is, um, then the Lord help us all. I know that's, they're good at math, but maybe that's not why, that, why they went into journalism. Right. And the other thing that, you know, Grant uh, Erms from News 9 had a great uh, thread about this on Twitter today that you guys should check out, which is a, a reminder that the legislature is only um, allowed to spend 95% of the revenue that is generated here. 5% has to go into, it's not the rainy day fund. 5% has to go into the uh, cash reserve fund. And so. Is that separate from the rainy day yeah, fund? It's a different deal. Didn't, weren't they trying to create yet yeah, another fund? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah. We're going to, here's what's happened. They're going to divide it up into a bunch of little accounts and we're going to forget about them and right. then they'll just spend them on whatever they want. Right. Um, the official fiscal impact statement from the tax commission for House Bill 1010, the main revenue package from this week, the tobacco tax generates 153 million. The fuel tax generates uh, 104.98 million. The GPT increase is 170.48 million, and the hotel metal tax is 46.2 for a grand total of 474.696 million. The addition, there's in addition to that, the ball and dice gaming, which is 22, 25-ish million, depending on which estimate you look at, and then cap gains. Cap or not cap gains, capping itemized deductions is like hundred or something. Yeah, something, something like that. Something like so. That. So that's where these numbers are coming from, but now we're now we're down. Right. We we just we just we lost fifty million from Hotel Motel, and we haven't passed Ball and Dice yet. So we're down about seventy five million. But Scott, pending further action from the Senate. But Scott, the economy is growing. Oil and gas will save us, like it always has. Do you know who's actually arguing that against that? Oil and gas? Yeah. So uh, president of the Oklahoma Oil and Gas Association, uh, OKOGA. Chad Warmington. Yeah, Chad Warmington. He was on with our friend, friend of the pod. Scott, Scott Mitchell. Mitchell. Yeah, that's right. He was on with Scott today, um, basically arguing like, one, this is, you know, increasing from 2% to 5% is puts the state at an economic disadvantage because of the increased taxes. But two, this can be a really volatile source of revenue and making the same point that you and I have made on the pod many times before, should we fund something as important as education and teacher salaries with taxes on commodities? And I think you and I would say no, but that seems to be where we're, where we're at. Yeah. So this, this also has kind of farther reaching impacts. So, um, let's talk about, um, the teachers and the public employees and where they're at. So do you pre- know, do you know? Cause I don't know. Well, I don't know that anyone really knows. <laughs> I don't know that and they so, know. you know, hopefully we'll put this podcast out tomorrow on Friday and people will listen to it between now and Monday, and this will most certainly change. So, what we do know is that teachers were planning to have a statewide walkout on Monday, right? This was widely broadcast. They've been planning for weeks, getting food organized and all that. 
last night and today, as things began to trickle out, that it was that it was being passed, um, and they had passed both chambers, and the governor was going to was going to sign it. Then, um, then we started seeing districts dropping off. It was typically smaller districts, right? Um, they were dropping off initially. We hadn't really heard from Oklahoma City or Tulsa or Edmond or Moore, some of those big ones. Um, and so what I've seen so far is Oklahoma City is still uh, in it. They're still going to close yeah. on Monday yeah. as of right now. And I don't think that they have decided beyond Monday. No, I think it, be- so. And in, in short, I really think it's going to be a one-day deal. It's going to be a demonstration, not a walkout for most. There may be some, but right. I think for most. So Oklahoma City closed Monday. Uh, Edmond sending a con- they're open but sending a contingent of some teachers right. to the capital to represent right. the district they said a substantial number right and I posted the uh, email from Edmond on um, on our Facebook page earlier then um, Tulsa I think Tulsa is supposed to announce by 5:30 a.m. Monday. No, they're definitely closed on Monday. So Tulsa's closed Monday, too? Tulsa's closed Monday. Whether they're going to be closed or not, uh, they're announcing at 5.30 a.m. on Tuesday. I, th- I believe that what Tulsa oh. is saying is they're definitely closed Monday. The question is whether they're going to be, be closed okay. beyond that. And it's okay if we're wrong here because this will undoubtedly change between now and Monday. Yeah, so that's what Tulsa's saying. They are going to be shut down Monday so teachers can go to the Capitol. If school closures will be necessary the following day, they'll announce that no, no later than 5.30 a.m. Tuesday. Interesting. So Just, just like for a snow day. Okay, that makes sense. So I expect we'll start seeing more and more districts kind of decide. I mean, and the big districts will likely lead it. But you know who I haven't really seen in the news today is OEA, the Oklahoma Employees Association. No, they're laying low. I haven't uh, I haven't reached out to anyone over there. We we know several folks, and I think they've they're in a pickle, right? Um, and the so the email from Edmund said, you know, if we close down, we risk alienating legislators who took a bold and courageous vote for this. And this afternoon there has been a, I, I tweeted it out on our Let's Fix This account, and there has been a ton of pushback from individual teachers um, that have responded. Even folks that don't follow us are responding of just like, uh, this is nuts. Like, we wanted more. This is not okay. And and I get that. And I was having a conversation with um, someone on Facebook about this that I think some teachers really thought they were going to push, push, push and, and get 10,000, which is what their ask was. But I think a lot of other folks maybe realized that this was a negotiation and they were going to ask for 10, but it was not going to end up at 10. Like it's going to end up somewhere in the middle. Right. And we saw some other, you know, we, they tried to give like a 1,000, a 2,500, whatever. And they ended up in the middle, right. We're somewhere between 5,000 for new teachers and like 9,000 for veteran teachers. So it's, a substantial amount of money. Is it enough to make up for a decade of cuts? No, of course not. But it's something in maybe, and this is up to, this is my personal opinion, but I feel like you got to take what you can get and then keep fighting. It doesn't mean you give up. You know, I think, I think you're right. I would push back a little bit and say, I think one thing that has, I know one thing, because I've heard from some teachers that are pretty upset. And one thing that's got them upset is, and this is, you know, I think this is part of just human nature is the attitude from the legislature. You know, Governor Fallon made a statement yesterday saying, I hope that if teachers are here on Monday, they're saying thank you to the legislature. To which if I were a teacher speaking with Governor Fallon, I would say, um, 
$6,000 on average catches us up from the last 10 years of inflation, right? Right. All t- I mean, like, and that's not, that's not me saying this. This is a policy analysis that says this, right? right. Like $6,000 on average for our teachers, all that does is put their purchasing power where it was 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. That just keeps, keeps them up with inflation. So and the idea, the idea that like, the idea that they should be bending over backwards, thanking lawmakers for doing what I think the majority of Oklahomans clearly think is the right thing, right? There's 72,000 members of this Facebook of the Facebook group that started this whole discussion. Like, I don't think it was realistic either that they were going to get $10,000 in a year. I'm not saying they should have stayed out of school until they get $10,000. But I think that if the attitude from the legislature was a little less, hey, take what you can get and be grateful, right. and a little more, hey... We know this is a start. We know we're way behind the eight ball here. Try to work with us on this. We've got you six thousand now. Give us some time. See where the economy is in a year. You asked for six thousand year one, two thousand year two, two thousand year three. We've taken care of year one. Let's have a conversation over the next twelve months right. and see what we can do about year two and year three. But I think that that's by and large not the attitude that's coming out of the Capitol. No, it's funny because even on the spreadsheet that we put out that you made um, the other day or last week, all these plans initially were like, here's year one, here's year two, here's year three. And then everyone like forgot about year two and three. And now they're just talking about the first year and right. the rest of it's dropped. And I'm like, I think some people dropped the ball. Um, so to move on to Oklahoma public employees, the OPEA, the public employees association, their uh, tweet from, this afternoon, said uh, state employee reaction to passage of uh, of the the repeal or of the teacher pay raise bill. This is a quote from someone that works out to a so it's well okay hold on first up it's a one thousand two hundred and fifty dollar raise I think on average for public employees but it's tiered it goes yeah I don't know that it's average I believe it's twelve fifty if you make under forty I think it's a thousand if you make under forty five I think it's seven fifty. If you make 50 or more. That's right. It helps people lower on the income spectrum. <clears throat> right. So um, I was talking to my neighbor who works for OPAA last night about this. Um, so it, this person had said, it works out to a $42.60 raise in my biweekly net pay. Um, so it means like his take home or her take home. My increase in insurance cost in January was $41 a check. So after 30 years of service, I'm getting a dollar sixty-two per check raise. Like effectively, like that's what he, that's what they'll feel in their pocket. Not enough. See everyone on Monday. <laughs> um, and so I guess public employees are planning to walk, march, whatever with the teachers. Are they going to stay out past Monday? No. I mean, I know a lot of state employees are going to go on Monday just in solidarity, um, but probably not stick not stick around longer than that because they don't get enough vacation leave. How, question for you, Scott. How many people do you think will be there on Monday? If you had asked me last week, I would have said 25,000. Okay. Today, 10? Really? I'm, I'm torn. I think it's... I want to. I was going to say 15, and I realized that I tend to be a little Pollyanna-ish and, and optimistic, and I bet that they only have like... 5,000 to actually show up, which is not unsubstantial. But in 2014, they had 40,000 teachers that showed up. Yeah. And on that day, the Senate did not cut education funding. But 
two days later, they damn well did. Yep. And so 40,000 teachers, yep. and then two days later, they cut funding. Yep. That, it's, and a lot of those folks that were there two years ago or, or four years ago are still there today. Yeah. And if that's going to happen, that kind of um, bold leadership, <laughs> I mean, not leadership, but bold action, then I think, um, I don't. I don't know what they're hoping to change. And so, so follow up question. So you said you think there'll be ten thousand there on Monday. Do you think that's enough to make change? And if not, how many people would they need at the Capitol on Monday to actually move the needle to actually make something change? I don't. I don't think there is any amount of people that could be there on Monday that's going to change anything. One hundred thousand people. No, I think it changes nothing. Really? Yeah. I think if they got a hundred thousand people up there, which would take a, a significant amount of organization and buses and everything else to get there on Monday. If that happened, people would be sweating. Um, if nothing else, I don't know if they would change it. If those people got there and camped out, right? Brought some sack lunches, brought a cooler, sat their happy tush down in the rotunda and said, "I'm not leaving this building until you pass revenue." Well, no, that's a difference, though. I, okay, that's if you're fair. Saying, I was going to ask you that question, and I got ahead of myself. Yeah, so so what I think makes a difference, or would make a difference, is the time, right? I think if you have, I think if you have ten thousand people there, and they're there for two weeks, three weeks, a month, mm-hmm. for that to me makes more of a difference than a hundred thousand people being there for a day. Okay, right? fair. That's fair. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think there's any amount of people that could be there for one legislative day. That's going to move them at all because they can say to themselves, "Yeah, today today is going to suck." They but can you know hide what? out, right? Yeah, tomorrow they'll be gone, right? Right. What's what would move the needle, especially if you had twenty twenty five thousand people there who said, "Yeah, we're going to be here till you do something." It right. Be, where it school even take that many five hundred right. that just didn't leave school. You know where schools are out, where parents can't go to work. This is where, you know, I mean, I you know, I think that they're. I think that I mean, and this is kind of reading reading the tea leaves a little bit, but I think that the motives of the legislator legislature for passing this package this week were twofold. I think that there are people who were really trying to do something good and fair mm-hmm. for the teachers. Mm-hmm. I think that there were people who thought apparently correctly, if we can do this this week, we can take away the strike, and if we take away the strike then we don't have to do anything bigger that's more painful. Right, because all things uh, all things equal, they would like to not strike. I think teachers, don't, they'd rather be in the classroom, uh, parents right. rather than... And, I, and so they're hoping to avoid that. I do think also that a, a crowd of medium size, so somewhere like ten or 15,000, well, regardless of size, if the teachers walked... And shut down schools. That means kids can't go to school, right. which has some negative impacts, right? Definitely. Um, and those negative impacts are probably the most impactful piece. The fact that like tens of thousands of parents across the state would have to come up with childcare situations. Right. Like I've had to That's have that conversation the because then businesses start feeling the pressure, right. and then right. business leaders come back and say, "Man, you got to fix this because." I need my, my people back to work. Exactly. That's where the pressure comes from, and none of that happens with a one-day mm-hmm. walkout, no matter how many people are there. Yeah, so... Right? Every business, every school district, nearly every parent, and certainly every legislator can handle one bad day. Yeah, right. One day is just one day. But two weeks, three weeks, a month, that's when... And that's what they seem to have negated by passing the package this week. Right. 
I, I personally, I don't, I don't really think much of anything else happens. Like, I think this is, right. I think this is probably the end of the education discussion for this special session, probably for the remainder of regular session. Um, I, I don't see much else happening in education. They've got a bunch of other stuff they got to deal with. Um, they've got the healthcare, you know, they've got, uh, the health department that they're still trying to figure out the mess that's there. Mm-hmm. They've got a budget hole of now $230 million for next year that they have to fill. Um, they've got the budget that they have to pass. They've passed the department of ed budget, but they got the other rest of the budget they have to pass. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're coming up. I mean, it's, we're looking at first week of April next week and we've got to be, you know, we got to be out of session by the end, end of May. May. Right. So there's a, there's a lot of work left to do. Um, so I think the attitude from the legislature is going to be, look, we did something, we're moving on. Yeah, I, I agree. So I think now the conversation pivots away from education. I mean, a few days and then after Monday, it goes downhill steeply. Yeah. And they start reorienting towards stuff in this session. They got bills they still got to hear. Um, stuff in the opposite chamber they got to pass. Got committee deadline is the 12th, right? Yeah. And so then they just move forward. And then I think as we get into late April, into May, we'll start having discussions about the budget this year. And it's going to, I think it's going to get messy because we've all been talking about this stuff and some of this pertains to last year, some to this year. And um, we'll get into that. I, for one, am thankful and I'm ready to put to bed the second extraordinary session of 2017. Oh my God, yes. 2018, whatever this thing is. <clears throat> I don't know if I call it extraordinary, but it's been something. It's been you extra, know, that's for and, sure. And I think what we have to be geared up for is that I think when it comes to budget time, I mean, the only thing I can think is that we're looking at uh, that we're looking at about 230, 250 million in cuts. Um, mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. what's going to happen is we're going to have this fight and a lot of people, and I'm just, there's, I'm not trying to be partisan, but like a lot of people on the Republican side are going to say, well, <laughs> no, we're making cuts. We just passed, we just passed one of the largest tax increases in state history. Um, we're not going to pass another one. We're not right. going to, we're not going to raise $250 million in more taxes. So, you know, education has been palliated a little bit, but I think we're looking to see cuts going everywhere else. Right. And that's probably why teachers are upset because I know there's a good chance they're not going to get another raise for a long time. And I think that conversation shifts. And so we'll have perhaps some discussion about um, bills related to repealing or changing 640, although I heard one of them is dead. Um, that may be a ballot initiative. Yeah, they've failed out of committee. So if they're going to, they're not going to come to the ballot. They're not going to come on the ballot from the legislature. So it's got to come from the people. Yeah. Um, and then just other discussion. I think really some stuff will happen there and then we'll start hearing more and more about what ballot initiatives will be coming up. Speaking of ballot initiatives, the other component of this that's important that we actually haven't talked about at all because it's brand new and I've been forgetting about it. So yesterday, in addition to let's fix this being at the Capitol yesterday, in addition to the Hotels Association being at the Capitol yesterday, Senator, former U.S. Senator Tom Coburn was also at the Capitol yesterday with a new group, uh, Oklahomans for Tax something. I think it's called the Oklahoma Tax Platform. So it's basically yeah, the, that sounds about right. It's basically the, the the platform caucus of the Republican Party, basically you know arguing essentially that urging the Senate not to pass the revenue package, urging the legislature not to raise taxes at all and simply cut spending further. And they have promised that once, assuming the Senate passed this and assuming that it's signed into law, they are going to fund a ballot initiative that will put, that's part of state question 640, is even if the legislature meets the 75% threshold and raises taxes, you can then do a ballot initiative and put that tax increase, you can do a referendum by a vote of the people. Mm. So they have promised that they are going to fund 
a ballot initiative to put on the ballot in November that would put the tax increase yesterday to a vote of the people. That's bananas. Um, and just in case anyone is wondering when the last time this happened, after 1990. So when House Bill 1017 passed in 1990, there was a referendum put to the vote of the people, and it passed or failed, I think, 56-44. Okay. Um, so the, the interesting thing about this is because of the way ballot initiatives are structured, they only need 42,000 signatures to get this on the ballot. Oh, because it's not a constitutional change? Right. It's not a constitutional change. So well, Doesn't the legislature come in and just nullify it with a, their own law then? You think they would? They you might. think the legislature is going to come back and say, okay, a majority of Oklahomans just voted to... They tried doing it with this this criminal t- justice reform just a few months ago. Okay, they, they're going to do it for a tax increase? Well, maybe not the current legislature, but in the near future. Before, I mean, they could just pass that with 51 votes before they pass another revenue package if the power differential shifts. I see what you're saying, but I'm just saying that there is a group of well-funded Oklahomans who are going to try and challenge this at the ballot and stop this from happening. As we move towards the election in November, we will be putting out a state question guide like we did two years ago to help educate you on all of these measures, whatever ends up on the ballot, whenever they end up on the ballot. So, um, all right. Well, I think let's wrap it up for today. Um, I do want to say I just got an email from the Oklahoma State Election Board. It's a reminder. It's a press release that they put out that if you are planning to change your party affiliation, you must do that by... March 31st, um, and that will be if you want to vote like between now and September. If you submit a party affiliation change after April 1st, it won't be processed until September 1st. So if you want to change your party affiliation before the November election, you've got time. But if you want to change it before like the big votes in June, the primaries and that kind of stuff, you got to do it by this Saturday. So heads up on that. All right, that brings us to the end of this episode. Remember, you can connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Fix This OK. Scott is at SC Melson, and I, Andy, am at Andy OKC. You can also like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Let's Fix This OK. Our website is Let's Fix This OK.org, and on there you can sign up for our newsletter, which you'll send out next week. Read our blog, find resources and details about upcoming events. Our podcast is edited and produced by Scott and me. And Let's Pod This is a member of the Mostly Harmless Media Network. Our theme music is provided by the Sugar Free All Stars. Let's Fix This is a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization. We strive to educate and equip all Oklahomans to engage with their government. If we encourage you to get involved in any ways you can, and remember, decisions are made by those who show up. Have a great week.